Hey, hello everyone. Welcome back to the channel. William Hemsworth here. Hope everyone is doing well. And I want to wish you all a very happy new year. Today I want to talk to you about the prosperity gospel. Now, for those of you, you probably heard me talk about this issue before. I was on Gary Machuda's program a couple times talking about it. I want to discuss it here. Uh, maybe get into the background a little more and some of the errors that this issue brings up. So before we talk about the prosperity gospel, it, we have to talk about its roots and origins and maybe why it's become popular within Christianity. I mean, not really, I mean, Catholicism a little bit, but mostly in evangelicalism. But we have to understand the dangers of this system and how it deviates from scripture, essentially. It leads people astray. So the prosperity gospel finds its roots in the teachings of a, by, a guy by the name of E.W. Kenyon. He was a figure in the early 20th century, and he emphasized the power of positive thinking and the connection between faith and material blessing. So his ideas were later popular, popularized by other prominent evangelicals such as Oral Roberts, uh, Ken Hagen, Benny Hinn. And they expanded these concepts and they spread them worldwide. I mean, there's other other people within the prosperity gospel movement like Kenneth Copeland, Creflo Dollar, of course, the popular Joel Osteen, okay? Things like that. So this movement gained momentum during the post-World War II era when the American dream was at its peak, okay? The prosperity gospel resonated with people because when they were seeking financial security, health, and overall, really just overall success. It promised believers that through faith and financial giving that they could receive material blessings and prosperity. And so essentially it kind of portrayed God as a divine ATM, ready to dispense wealth and health to those who had enough faith. Now to be clear, this doesn't mean that God can't bless you materially or anything like that. The problem is when it becomes transactional, when we're giving because we expect something in return. So we need to be able to examine the teachings of this, of this prosperity gospel. Jesus never promised his followers a life of material abundance or worldly success. Really, he taught the opposite, that true wealth lies in spiritual treasures and in a relationship with God. So the prosperity gospel distorts the biblical message by placing uh, this undue emphasis on material possessions and personal gain. It neglects the value of suffering, sacrifice, and relying on God's grace. This leads to a shell of faith. And the shell of faith crumbles when someone is faced with adversities, the complexities of life, or they get sick. Okay, someone passes away. It can also foster a sense of entitlement or even greed. Okay, it promotes this self-centered mindset where the focus is on personal desires rather than serving others and advancing the kingdom of God. And so this led to this distorted view of Christianity where faith is reduced to a means of gaining wealth instead of being transformed by the grace of God. So in today's world, the prosperity gospel has gained some popularity. 
It's not as popular as it once was in the United States, but it still is. But it's really gaining steam overseas. All right, so beneath these appealing promises of uh, spiritual and material blessings, there's this deceptive faith that really leads astray. And so the prosperity gospel, sometimes you may hear it referred to as the health and wealth gospel, or the name it and claim it. It teaches that God's will for every believer is to be financially prosperous, physically healthy, and successful in all aspects of life. In fact, Creflo Dollar, a few years ago, he tweeted out that Jesus died. Uh, Jesus died so we can have financial prosperity. Gross stuff. Jesus died to save us from sin. So the prosperity gospel emphasizes that faith, positive thinking, and financial giving will lead to material abundance and fulfillment. Now, don't be wrong. The idea of loving, of a loving and benevolent God who desires his children to prosper isn't wrong in and of itself. But the prosperity gospel distorts this notion. Okay, and it skews the message of the faith. One major danger of the prosperity gospel is its is really its focus on material wealth and personal gain by placing excessive importance on prosperity and physical well-being it, neg it neglects sacrifice humility the pursuit of righteousness faith in christ jesus himself warned against the dangers of greed in the pursuit of earthly treasures emphasizing the eternal significance of what jesus say where your treasure, where your heart is, there your treasure is. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So the prosperity gospel fails to address the reality of suffering and the challenges that are faced by followers of Christ. It creates this unrealistic expectation that faith should sheet that will faith will shield individuals from things going wrong. And it leads to this disillusionment and distress when hardships come up. I've spoken to many people. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm getting over a cold. I've spoken to many people who were followers of this movement. And when things happened in their life, they were told that they just didn't have enough faith. And... It led to this disillusionment. It led them to questioning the very existence of God because they thought they had a lot of faith. Jesus said that we will face trials. And we need to teach people to find hope and strength in God in the midst of those trials and the midst of those difficulties. Another issue with the prosperity gospel is the potential for exploitation. Some preachers of this theology manipulate their followers, urging them to give generously to the ministry in order to experience financial breakthroughs. If you ever watch any of their programs, they'll call it planting the seed. Okay, plant a seed for $1,000 and you'll get $10,000 in return. And so this manipulation can lead to financial strain. Um, and exposes uh, vulnerable people who are desperately seeking hope and prosperity. 
because maybe they can't afford to give that thousand dollars and they choose not to pay their rent because they're being manipulated by these preachers saying you're going to get this in return. It isn't what it means to follow Christ in the long run. So like I said a few moments ago, the prosperity gospel has become popular within some Christian circles. And so I want to shed some light on this and explore the reasons behind its appeal, because we need to understand the dangers of it so we can discuss and combat it. Like I said, it's also known as the health and wealth gospel. It emphasizes material blessings and financial prosperity as a sign of God's favor. So it teaches that faith, along with financial giving, because there has to be the financial giving or else you don't have enough faith, will result in an abundance of blessings, including health, wealth, success. And, And this really resonates for people. Who does not want health, wealth, and success, right? But it resonates for the desire for a quick fix. Because think about it. I don't have to work hard. I just have to give this $1,000 in seed money. And I'm going to be set. Don't get me wrong. We are called to financially support the church. The church has a lot to do. And yes, God can bless us for it. Problem with the prosperity gospel is that these preachers say that you will be tenfold it's like a it's you're you're giving because it's a financial transaction it isn't what saint paul calls a cheerful giver you're giving because you're expecting something in return not because it's the sacrifice of the giving okay so we have this promise this promise of instant gratification and that's very tempting in a world full of uncertainty and hardships very tempting It offers hope and assurance because believers, by giving, can have this life of comfort and abundance. It appeals to our human desire for immediate results, that instant gratification, and for our desire for those uh, possessions. But it preys on the vulnerable and desperate. It targets individuals who are struggling financially, who are facing big challenges in their lives. Because it offers them a solution that seems too good to be true. It capitalizes on their desperation and it offers false hope. This manipulation of people's emotions and circumstances contributes to the widespread acceptance of this dangerous theology. Now, the prosperity gospel is packaged in a very attractive and charismatic manner. These preachers who teach this are very charismatic. They are good speakers and they're very persuasive. They're able to captivate audiences with their eloquence and testimonies of success. And so these personalities, coupled with the very high production values of their presentations, have created this aura of credibility and authenticity. And so it makes it even more challenging for Christians to discern the truth here. But we need to do that. We need to recognize the dangers. While the Bible does teach about God's blessing, it also emphasizes the importance of faithfulness in the midst of trials and suffering. Jesus himself warned against this pursuit of wealth. 
and encouraged believers, encouraged his followers to store up treasures in heaven. <clears throat> so let's talk about the inconsistencies here. One of the biggest distortions perpetuated by the prosperity gospel is its emphasis on wealth and material possessions as a measure of spiritual success. So it promotes the idea that financial prosperity is a sign of God's blessing and favor, while poverty or a lack is seen as a result of lack of faith or, or even sin. And so this misguided belief can lead to a shallow and materialistic faith where the pursuit of wealth becomes the focus instead of the pursuit of Christ. And so the prosperity gospel fails to often fails to acknowledge the biblical teachings on the dangers of wealth and the responsibilities that come with wealth. Jesus himself warned about the deceitfulness of riches and the difficulty for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. The Bible consistently emphasizes the importance of humility, contentment, and of course a proper stewardship of one's resources. And so by promoting this skewed view of wealth, the prosperity gospel neglects, neglects these principles. And it leads believers astray from the true path of discipleship. Another danger of the prosperity gospel lies in the promise of that instant gratification that I mentioned earlier through the seed faith theology. This teaching suggests that by sowing a financial seed, Believers can expect a supernatural harvest of blessing from God. Now, like I said, a few, I've said this a couple times already. There is nothing wrong with sowing a seed of faith or giving generously. Nothing wrong with that. We're encouraged to do so. The prosperity gospel reduces these spiritual principles to a transactional formula, though. Disregarding the, sov the sovereignty and the wisdom of God. Kind of makes us the God. In effect, because we're telling God what he is going to do for us. Okay, so this can lead to this crisis of faith when the desired outcomes don't come to fruition. And, and causing people to question their worthiness. Or even question God's faithfulness. They pose dangers, not only to individual Christians, but to their spiritual journey. By focusing on earthly wealth, material things, instead of on Jesus. One of the most dangerous parts of the prosperity gospel is its misinterpretation of scripture. The prosperity gospel cherry-picks verses, takes them out of context to support these materialistic beliefs. Okay, they often focus on passages that seemingly promise wealth, health, and success, while in while conveniently ignoring the broader message of God's love, sacrifice, and the call to serve others. In other words, they are eisegeting passages. They're isolating a verse out of its context to create what they want it to create. Uh, one example, Jeremiah 29.11, which says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. 
While this verse does speak of God's plan for our well-being, it's essential to understand it in the context of the entire Bible. This was to a people that were in Babylonian exile. It's not for us today. It's not about our wealth and our health. Yes, God is looking out for us 100%. Well, that passage in its historical and proper context was written to the Israelites who were in Babylonian exile, God promising them that he was not going to abandon them and that there was a plan for them. Another misinterpreted passage often uses Malachi 3.10, which talks about bringing tithes into the storehouse and receiving blessings in return. So we need to understand this in light of the New Testament teachings on giving, which emphasizes the cheerful and sacrificial giving, not a means to accumulate wealth, but as an act of worship and support for the work of the kingdom. So by misinterpreting scripture, the prosperity gospel distorts the true teachings of Jesus. It encourages a mindset that focuses on personal gain, neglecting the call to care for the poor, the marginalized, and the suffering. And it's a teaching that damages the reputation of Christianity as a whole, not just Catholicism, not just evangelicalism, but everything as a whole. Some unknowingly fall into this trap of the prosperity gospel. Like I said, I mean, it's really tempting if you're searching for something because you're struggling and you, you hear a promise of wealth, success, and good health as evidence of God's favor. But what about the cross and suffering? The prosperity gospel ignores the sacrificial love dis- displayed through our Lord's death on the cross. Instead, it focuses on material gain and fulfillment instead of the path of discipleship. By neglecting the cross, the prosperity gospel diminishes the significance of Christ's sacrifice and the power of the resurrection. The prosperity gospel even fails to address the reality of suffering in our own lives. So in an attempt to promote a life of unending blessings, it disregards the truth that Jesus himself warned his disciples about the trials and tribulations that they would face. When embracing this deceptive faith, Christians become ill-equipped to face the inevitable challenges of life, which lead to disappointment, confusion, and even a crisis of faith. Neglecting the cross... By neglecting the cross, Christians miss out on the profound spiritual growth that comes through trials and tribulations. St. Peter reminds us in his letter that in 1 Peter 5.10, After you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. When we suffering, when we embrace it with faith and trust in God, can help redefine our character, deepen our faith, and draw us even closer to Jesus. Neglecting the cross leads to a shallow and distorted understanding of the gospel. 
The true essence of Christianity lies in following the example of Christ, who endured the ultimate suffering on the cross for the redemption of mankind. It is through his sacrifice that we find true joy, true hope, and eternal life. One of the greatest dangers of the prosperity gospel comes in its view of happiness. So it promotes the idea that true happiness can only be found in the accumulation of wealth, possessions, and success. This notion leads believers to place their trust in material things rather than placing their faith in God. The, the pursuit of happiness becomes centered around selfish desires rather than seeking a deeper relationship with our Heavenly Father. Furthermore, the prosperity gospel wrongly equates financial prosperity with spiritual favor. It suggests that those who are blessed with wealth are more righteous and favored by God. So this creates this false hierarchy within the community, fostering envy and judgment among believers. It erodes a true essence of Christianity, which is rooted in love, humility, and selflessness. And I've seen this myself in some churches where someone is struggling and they're looked down upon because they don't have enough faith. If they only had enough faith, their cancer would be cured. If they only had enough faith, their father wouldn't have died. If they only had enough faith, they wouldn't have lost their job. It's really despicable. This mindset that if one follows the prescribed formula of faith, financial blessings will flow abundantly. This is a big burden because they feel compelled to constantly strive for material prosperity. They may become consumed with how, with thoughts of how to amass wealth. And they maybe they, they neglect other aspects of their life, like their relationships, their growth, or even their own spiritual well-being, because they're always trying to plant this seed to get something in return. And so we have this pressure to keep up with appearances. Okay. So to attempt to demonstrate God's blessing, followers of the prosperity gospel feel compelled to project this image of affluence and success. So this facade can lead to financial irresponsibility as individuals go to great lengths to maintain the appearance of prosperity, even at the expense of their own financial well-being. And so this can inevitably lead to a sense of inadequacy and failure. So when people experience setbacks and hardships, they question their faith and believe that they've somehow fallen out of favor with God. So this constant striving, this treadmill for wealth, can lead to feelings of guilt, shame, uh, damaging self-esteem. So that's another danger. Probably one of the biggest issues I have with the prosperity gospel is it promotes a transactional relationship with God, where prayers and acts of faith are seen as a means to manipulate him into granting material blessings, kind of like he's a cosmic butler. So this reduces spirituality to an exchange of goods and services instead of love, devotion, and surrender to God's will. To cultivate a robust and authentic faith, 
We, we need to devote time to studying scripture, prayer, maybe getting a spiritual director, going to mass. It's through these practices that we develop a deeper understanding of who God is, what his will for us is, and develop lives of righteousness, humility, compassion. It's not through this transactional idea of I give a thousand and now God has to give me 10,000 in return. Guys, Kenneth Copeland actually said that. I'm not making that up. So the prosperity gospel, and I'll, I'll cover more of this in the coming weeks, is a great danger spiritually to people. It leads people astray. It gives them a, sol- a false sense of what the gospel truly is. And it's really disappointing. It's really sad. I can't tell you how many people I've run into said, yeah, I, I used to go to church. I gave tithe, I used to tithe, but God never rained blessings down on me. I never got anything in return. That's not the gospel. The gospel is he came to save us from sin. If you come to Jesus for money, he's not your God. Money is. Jesus is enough. Jesus died for you on the cross to save you from sin. He loved you that much. He still loves you that much. As St. Augustine says, if you were the only person on earth, he would do it all over again. I'm paraphrasing St. Augustine there, okay? The prosperity gospel is false. It's riddled with errors. We've covered some of them today. We'll cover more in the next coming in the coming weeks. But in the meantime, study the scriptures, go to mass, spend time in prayer. And God bless you. Thanks for joining me today.